All right. Good morning, Faith Church. It's good to see everybody today. Thanks so much for showing up, man. It is absolutely our privilege to host you. For you that, uh, man, this is your home church and your members here, your regular attenders, man, welcome back. We're glad that you came this weekend to celebrate. We know that we have a lot of our church family traveling. So those who are watching online for the first time and those who are our church family, man, can we welcome them online, man? We're glad that you took time to uh, join us as well. And again, I know you've already been acknowledged, but we always want to say hey to our first-time guests. It is our joy and our privilege that you decided to join us today, and we hope that you have a great experience and ultimately that God does something real in your life. So, hey, listen, we're starting a brand new series entitled Selfie. Let me just ask a question. How many of you here have taken a selfie in the last month? Come on, wait. Come on, raise your hand. No shame. No shame. How many of you have taken a selfie in the last week? In the last week. How many people have taken a selfie today? I mean, you just was looking good and you just couldn't help. I mean, actually, it's weird. Actually, numbers went up. How many of you have never taken a selfie? You just have never taken one. So we have, we have a mix here, but here's the funny thing, right? So this term selfie, this term selfie, uh, it showed up for the first time in 2002 in an online forum and has gotten so big in culture that in 2013, Oxford Dictionary moved it officially from no longer being a slang term to being an official term in the English language, putting it in the 2013 Oxford Dictionary. So whether you like it or not, selfies are here to stay. Thank God the duck phase has passed, though. We're, we're glad that's come and gone. But kind of selfies are here. But here's, here's the funny thing about selfies, and I think most of us here would acknowledge that this is true. For a lot of times, selfies, they're not really a real representation of our life. Isn't that true? I mean, if you think about the selfies that we post, if you think about the pictures that we post, it's not really kind of who we are. I mean, it is. It's a picture of us. It's a, it's a picture of a situation that we're in. It's a picture of the environment we're in. But if we're honest, the selfies we post are such a small percentage of our life, it's not, it doesn't really give us a, a true picture of who we are. Selfies that we post on social media, they don't really give us a true feeling of our life. Right, a selfie, if you don't know this, a selfie, here's the official Oxford Dictionary definition. A selfie is a picture that one takes of themselves typically with a smartphone. So, you know, we're throwing up at dinner, we're throwing up in the game, we're throwing up outside, we're throwing up in nature, we're throwing up at the beach, our smartphone, trying to capture those key moments of life. But if we're honest, watch this, if we're honest, they're not really a key part of who we are. They're not really kind of this, it doesn't capture or encapsulate our life. Because here's why. We only give and we only take selfies in the best moment, of the best pose, in the best vibe, in the best feel, and we take 10 of those and we only post the best one. I mean, think about this. If aliens, if aliens were to come to this planet, they didn't know us, they didn't know anything about humanity, and their only reference of our life was our social media account, they would think that we're a bunch of happy people, that we never struggle, we're never mad, we never get angry, we never lose our temper, we never have battles, issues, we don't have family problems. If aliens were to look at our lives, if it was just up to our selfie, they would think we're perfect people living perfect lives. Isn't that true? But how many people know that in this room, there are no perfect people living perfect lives? There are no perfect people living perfect lives. In fact, let me just give you a couple of selfies. My, uh, my wife and my son, our daughters had to stay home and work, part of growing up and being adults. But my wife and I and our son, we got to slip away to Atlanta 
for a couple of days this week. Here's, here's just a couple selfies that, uh, that I was able to take. First of all, my son and I, we went um, on, uh, on one of the days we were able to go to uh, Phillips Arena. And at Phillips Arena, if y'all can bring these up, Phillips Arena, we were outside and we got to go. It was really kind of cool. Uh, my staff, you don't know this, but man, we have a wonderful staff here at Faith Church. And uh, they were able to purchase for me as a Christmas gift um, two tickets to see the Cleveland Cavs play the Atlanta Hawks. Some of you guys don't know this, but I'm a huge, huge Cavs fan. Believing God in Jesus' name for the Cavs to bring home a trophy to the land. Yes, pray with me in the name of Jesus, Lord, let it be. So this is, this is my son and I, right? We're in the stadium. The, my staff got me great seats, 13 rows up center court. It was awesome, and so we got to be there, and while we were out, also a friend of mine came down and met us. This is a lifelong friend of mine. His name's Mitch. Mitch and I, we've been best friends uh, since I was in fifth grade. He's in sixth grade, still close, close friends. He drove down from South Carolina, his wife and I, and we hung out. This is, this is a picture. I just got to say this. Um, we paid uh, like $60 to ride the Ferris wheel for like 10 minutes. And it's not the biggest Ferris wheel in the world. In fact, it's not even the biggest Ferris wheel in the Northern Hemisphere. It's not the biggest Ferris wheel in America. This is their advertisement. This is their push at 16 bucks a ticket or 17 bucks a ticket that it's the biggest Ferris wheel in the Southeast. What? And I paid it, but here's a picture of him and I. You know, we're excited. We're smiling. Here's another picture. This is my wife. You guys, some of you guys know who she is. My beautiful wife, Shauna. This is our son. He never gets it right in a picture. He's always got to be a goofball. So here's the thing is, in all these pictures, right, we're smiling, we're in good spots, everything's good, but here's some pictures that you didn't see, here's some pictures that I wouldn't post, here's a selfie of me listening to my wife's advice the whole time while I'm driving. (laughs) You're going too fast, you're going too slow, slow down. She does this the whole way, ah, ah, ah. Come on, men, help me. So I didn't get these, but I reenacted these. Here's a, here's a couple of ones. Again, this isn't real life. This isn't the stuff we post. Here's a couple other pictures that I thought were, were kind of interesting. This was me protesting a bad call at the game, right? I mean, it's bad call. Here, here's another one. I thought this one's kind of interesting. This is me rubbernecking. We actually seen a bad wreck on the way. This is me rubbernecking because we don't look at the road. We're like, here, here's another one. This is me getting back to the hotel at night. Yeah, this is it, because I'm not allowed to turn the lights on when my wife is sleeping. So we got in at midnight. That's a selfie of Zach and I. Here's, here's one. This is, this is kind of funny. This is a true story. So we went to the mall, right? And we're driving around, craziest mall in America. I'm looking for a parking spot. I shouldn't tell you this story, but I'm going to because I'm human. And so we're driving around, and finally, finally, I get this car. It's getting ready to pull out. I'm right there. Has anybody, ever, anybody here ever steal a parking spot from you? No, no, no. They, they, I'm, they hijacked me, hoodwinked me. I'm literally ready to pull in. There's a car behind me, a car coming down. I got my blinker on. I'm just ready to turn in. A van full of five thugs, true story, pulls in, zips down and zips in. I'm just going to tell you, as Christians, we should respond to situations, but because I'm not there yet, I still react to situations. I'm telling you, he wasn't in the lot yet. I jumped, put my car in park, jumped out of the car, and I started approaching the car, and the Holy Spirit said, Stephen! And I thought, I'm already out of the car. <laughs> For real, they got out. They're like, what you going to do? And it was just, it was bad. So this is, this is my picture in the moment because I was about to go to jail. 
It's but the, so here's what I want you guys to hear, right, right? Everybody in this room, so many of you guys admit, I take selfies, I take selfies. Again, if you look on your social media account, if you look at your Instagram, if you look at Facebook, if you look at my social media, if you look at my pictures on my phone, my photo stream, you're gonna find smiles and cheese and happiness and everything's wonderful in the land and everybody's good. But the reality is this, until you're honest about your struggle, you'll never seek a solution. If you're not honest, come on, about your life, that come on, that we got issues, that we have struggles, that our family's not perfect, that we've got some internal things happening, that we're facing some challenges in life, until we're honest about the things we're going through, until we're honest about the struggle, you'll never seek a solution. Isn't that right? I mean, until we kind of just come to, come to grips with our battles, until we come to grips with our struggle. And so I thought through this series, that's exactly what we're going to do is we're going to pull back from the perfect world of selfies and we're going to take a real look in the mirror at some of our challenges. In fact, today I want to talk about one of the challenges that, again, you're probably not honest about. You're not posting about it. You're not putting it out there. You're smiling and pretending everything's okay. But today I want to talk about something that probably all of us battle sometime or another. In fact, in this room, maybe watching online, you're here and kind of this is, if if you could capture capture a selfie of your heart, Right, not the outside smile and not the outside environment, but if it could capture a picture of your heart, this is the thing that you would find, this is the challenge you would find in a lot of our hearts, is is this. Let me just ask the question. How many of you here sometimes have an issue or you battle belief? Anybody here ever have a struggle, ever have a struggle with skepticism? Anybody here ever go through life and go through situations and things happen and life comes our way and we begin to deal with doubt? See, I think a lot of us, but we'll never post that. We'll jump on social media and talk about God is good and God is there and God came through. And, God, and, and it's true. And as people of faith, that should be our response. But if the truth be known, in a lot of our hearts here today, there is a struggle in a battle, in a wrestling to believe and ask big questions. God, are you there? Are you on my side? God, do you really love me? God, are you working through these circumstances? God, where are you at in this brokenness? If we're honest here today that we ask these questions as we face life, that there's not always this certainty and there's not always this calm, But a lot of times these questions arise in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives where, again, we battle belief, that we struggle with skepticism, that there is this issue that a lot of us in this room are wrestling with right here today. In fact, when you read the New Testament, this is, I think, interesting. Do you know the the harshest words that Jesus spoke to his disciples, do you know it was concerning their faith? It wasn't concerning their lifestyle. It wasn't concerning how they were treating other people. It wasn't concerning their prayer life. It wasn't concerning how much money they gave. The most harsh words that Jesus spoke to his disciples was about their faith. And he would say things like this to them. Hey, you're a bunch of little faithers. He would ask them questions in the middle of difficulty, in the middle of challenges, when they would respond with fear. When they would cry out, God, where are you at? Jesus, rescue us. Jesus would look at them and say, don't you have any faith? In fact, at one time, Mark chapter 11, verse 22, Jesus just comes out and says that he says, have faith in God. Do you know if, if Jesus has to tell us to have faith, it's probably because we don't. 
that we wrestle with really having faith. We wrestle with really believing God. We wrestle with the challenges that we all go through. And I have a feeling in this room that we are not that far removed from the disciples 2,000 years ago. That if Jesus was to step into our lives, probably some of the harshest words that he would have for us is concerning our faith. Do we really believe that God is there? Do we really believe that he's involved? See, because today I want to open up this series, Selfie, and for the next couple weeks we're going to continue to look at this guy who is our model and our example for faith. The Bible calls him Abraham. In fact, Abraham is, is so, he's so important in, in Scripture, so important in history, that he's just not found in the Old Testament where his, his life and story is recorded. He's found littered throughout the New Testament. In fact, Abraham is mentioned almost 70 times in the New Testament. And here's why. is because, again, Abraham, he's known as this. Abraham is called the father of faith. He's like the guy, if, if we're looking for a model, if we're looking for someone to be an example, if we're looking for someone to follow, Jesus really lays it out. And the Bible lets us know that Abraham is the guy. He's the father of faith. And so today, I think as we look at his life, there's just a couple things I want you to know about Abraham. And, and here's, we got to kind of start at one spot and work our way back. So God wanted to rescue broken humanity. God wanted to send a savior to rescue us. And so in order to reach broken humanity, he had to send a savior. And in order to send a savior who we know today was Jesus, is Jesus, that God decided to do it through a people, through the nation of Israel, through the Jewish people. And the Jewish people had a beginning. They, they haven't always been here. The Jewish people had a starting point, And their starting point began with this guy who, again, the Bible says his name was Abraham. And here's the crazy thing, right? Is Abraham, he didn't grow up in church like me. He, he's, he wasn't always a God person. He wasn't always in faith. All of a sudden, God just speaks to Abraham. You, you can read it later this week, and we'll get into it, kind of the microcosm of his life through this series. But God speaks to Abraham and says, hey, Abraham, listen, I got big plans for you. Everybody say big plans, because God's got big plans for you. And he shows up like just out of the middle of nowhere, and God says, Abraham, I got big plans for you. And, and, and he, he starts giving Abraham these instructions, these things that God wants him to do, these steps that God wants him to follow. And in the middle of all of these challenges that Abraham is facing personally, in the middle of all of these weaknesses, in the middle of all of these struggles, Abraham steps out and starts obeying God. He steps out and just starts believing God. And here's a scripture in the book of Hebrews. Check this out. It kind of introduces us to this guy. Again, we're going to look at his story in Genesis, but today, today, the writer of Hebrews, this is what they said about this guy by the name of Abraham. It says this, read it with me, every voice. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. This is so big. Everybody say those words, it was by faith. What caused a guy to follow a God that he had never heard of? What was it that made a guy step out and go a direction where he didn't know where he was going? What is it? And the Bible says it was by faith. Everybody say by faith. It was like this belief that God was like in, involved and that God was engaged in his life. Here's the crazy thing. Think about this. Here we are about 3,500 years later and we're talking about this guy, Abraham. 
And it's not because how smart he was. It's not how strong he was. It's not because his family was all put together. It's not because life made sense. The reason we're here 3,500 years later talking about this guy by the name of Abraham is because Abraham had faith. Abraham believed God when it didn't always make sense, when it didn't always add up, when it didn't always work out. And he was in this place where where he just trusted God, where he just trusted who God was. He trusted what God said. And here's here's what I want you to know, guys. Listen, this, this is so big. Abraham, the reason that God was able to use this struggling, challenged, weak, broken, didn't have life altogether, Family wasn't all put together. The reason God could use somebody like Abraham isn't what Abraham had to offer. It's what God had to offer. And Abraham, in the middle of his life, was able to trust God. And I'm just telling you guys, listen to this. Faith is a key component to the Christian journey. You cannot have a spiritual journey. You cannot have a relationship with God without the element of faith. It's not possible. And, and so for every one of us in this room, right, your spiritual journey and my spiritual journey, it started with faith and it continues with faith, right? Think about this. In order to have a relationship with God, in order to believe, right, first of all, you have to believe that God is. You have to believe not only that God is, for me at least, I got to believe not only is, is God there somewhere, I have to believe that God is near. He's not just out there somewhere. I got to believe that God is involved in my life. And he's not just involved in my life. I got to believe that God is good. Come on, God is good. Y'all better play some church with me. You got to say all the time and all the time. You know where that comes from? That's faith. Because you can't show me on paper. You can't open a geography book. You can't go into a science lab and show me an equation that says God is there. God is good. God is present. You can't show me that. Do you know where that comes from? That comes from faith. That I believe, I may not show you on paper, I can't open up a book, but I can tell you this, that by faith, Abraham believed that God was there. Abraham believed that God was present. Abraham believed that God was good. And the Bible says that what we can take away from the life of Abraham is in the middle of all his struggles and challenges and mess, he believed God. In the middle of everything, faith is a necessary component of our spiritual journey. Here's what the Bible says. Keep going again. Next verse, verse 8. Again, it says, uh, go back to verse 8 for me, please. It says, again, it was by faith that he went and go all the way down here. This is, this is so crazy. Again, it says he left home to go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He, he didn't have any idea where he was going. In order for us to follow God, it comes to this place where we can't always rely on what we can see. Here, here's, the, here's the crazy thing about faith. I'm just telling you, if you have faith, you, 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 you're crazy. Because the world's going to look at you and say, it doesn't, you believe that? It doesn't make sense. You can't show it to me in a test tube. You can't show it to me in this, in this environment. You can't put it on paper. Here's the challenge with faith. Is that sometimes, here's, here's what the Bible says. Jesus said that God is a spirit. He's a spirit. 
which means there's a physical realm and there's a spiritual realm. There's what we can taste and touch and see. There's what we can experience and feel and we can interchange with and intermingle with. But then there is a realm. There is something that your eyes can't see and your physical ears can't hear. Your physical body can't touch. There is another realm. There is a spiritual realm. And as believers, as Christ followers, we believe that God is a spirit. And that means this. This is so big. That means at times the reason we struggle with our faith The reason sometimes we deal with doubt, the reason sometimes we have a battle with belief is because what we feel and what we see doesn't always line up with what we believe. See, sometimes when you're going through a hard time, it's hard to believe that God is there. When you lose a baby, when your kids aren't obeying God, when you're struggling to get through school, when your bills aren't paid, and for you to say, well, I thought God was good. Man, this battle starts to rage, and all of a sudden, we move from faith to doubt. And so the challenge is, guys, watch this. The challenge is, in order for us to stay engaged in our spiritual journey, we have to stay engaged in faith. We got to believe in the middle of everything, in the middle of everything, that God is there in our lives. See, here's what we know when, we look at, when you look at Abraham. Abraham experienced this incredible life by God and with God because of his faith. And here's what I believe is true for all of us in this room is, is we don't always have the life that God wants us to have because we don't always believe right. I want you guys to know, man, that, that in who God is, in what God is able to do, in God being involved in our life, that we can believe God to do incredible things in the challenges we face We can believe God to come through in difficulties. We can believe God for strength. We can believe God for hope. We can believe God to provide. We can believe God to show up in our lives. We can believe for God to show up in our families. Does anybody here believe this today? That we don't believe that God is just out there. We believe that God is in the middle. And what's holding some of us back from getting to the place of really experiencing God isn't that God doesn't want to be involved. Is that God wants us to believe. God wants us to have faith. Think about this. Let's, let's just talk brass tacks. What moved you from being outside of a relationship with God into being the, the apple of God's eye? What moved you from being a sinner to a saint? What moved you from being broken to being whole? What moved us from hell to heaven? What moved us from death to life? You know what it was? Faith. Everybody say faith. When you believe God, that changed and transformed your life. And I want you to know that faith doesn't end with conversion. Faith doesn't just end like, see, I remember, right, when I was 17 years old, God come into my life, save me, I'm broken, I need forgiveness. And I had faith in that moment in a God I never served, never followed, never heard about. In that moment, I had faith. God showed up, saved me, rescued me, healed me, delivered me, made me his kid. In one moment, I was moved from death to life. In one moment, all my sin was forgiven. Come on, somebody. But that faith didn't end at that altar in March 19, 1989. Every single day, I got to get up and I got to walk by faith because God still wants to use me. God still wants to do things in my life. God still wants to do things in my family. God still wants to show up in my situations. God still wants to work miracles through the, through the things I'm going with, right? Come on, everybody. You all hear what I'm telling you. God is still involved, but God is only involved in the level that our faith is active. Everybody say believe. So there's this challenge for every one of us in this room that, again, faith is a necessary component. We have to believe God. 
But the reason we don't always believe is because there's this conflict of what we're seeing and what we're feeling and what we're experiencing. Let me just ask a question. I'm not asking you to, to raise your hand. Have you ever felt like God didn't love you? Have you ever felt like God wasn't there? Have you ever felt like like God just left you out on an ocean by yourself? Because that's, that's what this physical body and that's what our emotions and that's what this world tells us. But there is a higher level that Christ's followers are called to live in and it's in the realm of faith. That we believe that God is there. We believe that God is near. We believe that God is good. We believe that God is involved. And Abraham, he is our model of faith in the middle of everything that he faced, that he believed, that he believed that God was in the middle of everything. So let me just tell you, whatever you're going through, you're not going through it alone. Whatever you're battling, you're not battling alone. Whatever your struggle is, your struggle isn't alone. There's this challenge in our life where we got to pull back and say, wait a minute, I choose to believe God. I, I'm, you, know, <laughs> you know, man, I love what I get to do, but I feel at times like just the least qualified person to do it. I feel like the last person to have the privilege to do what I get to do because I know who I am. I know what, what I've done. Come on. I know what I do. And there's this thing on the inside of me that if, if all I take into account in my life is me, I'll never experience God. But if I'll open the door beyond my weakness and my struggle and say there's an opportunity for God to show up, he does. And Abraham looked at everything he was wrestling with. He looked at everything that he was going through. He looked at all the challenges that he had. And he said, it's not just about me. It's not the fact, and we're going to see this, that I'm an old man. It's not the fact that I'm dealing with my struggles and my issues. What Abraham, the conclusion he came to is that God is here too. In fact, check this out. Listen to what the book of Romans says. Romans chapter 4, verse 19. He says, Abraham, come on, read this with me. And Abraham's faith did not weaken even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his, his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Keep reading. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger in this. He brought glory to God. So watch this. Abraham, in everything Abraham was going through, he didn't put his eyes on his body. Because remember, he had to have a kid. Can, can we just talk like adults this morning? You all know how you have kids, right? Don't make me get the diagrams out because I will get the diagrams out. Abraham is looking in the mirror and he's like, right, he just got out of the shower. He's got nothing on but his birthday suit. And he's looking at this broken, old, 100-year-old body saying, you can do it. I, I believe in you. Hey, baby, we got this, right? And she's looking, she got some selfies of herself and it's like... Honey, it's not looking good because he's 100 years old. She is 90 years old. Listen, if you're getting close to that, don't get offended. This is reality. This is, this is the testament of who God is, not who we are. Is that God took a prune, help me, and said, you may be too old in the physical. You may be too broken in the natural. Your world may look like you can never accomplish what I want, but God and Abraham said, I don't have faith in me. I don't have faith in my ability. I don't have faith in my strength. I don't have anything to contribute to this situation but my obedience, but God. 
And he had faith that God could take an everyday person in an everyday situation and he could do something supernatural. And here's why. He said, again, go back to the last verse, verse 19. It says this. It says his faith didn't weaken. He didn't allow his battle with belief to overwhelm his trust in God. He didn't allow his dealing with discouragement and doubt to be bigger than the God he served. See, I want you to know something. When you put your eyes on the natural, your faith will weaken. When you look at the bills and you look at the medical diagnosis and you look at what's going on with your family, when you look at this world, when all you see is our natural world, your faith begins to decline. But if we'll get our eyes off of natural circumstances and put them on a supernatural God, our faith goes to another level that opens the door for God to show up in our situation. And Abraham said, listen, I'm not looking at this broken body. I'm keeping my eyes on Christ. I'm not looking at my wife's dead womb. I'm keeping my eyes on God. And because of his faith. Listen, I'm not telling you faith is easy. If it was easy, it would just be natural. Faith is a battle and it's a struggle. It's a decision that we make every day. It's a decision you make in your situation. Is God here or isn't he? Does God love me or doesn't he? Is God involved or isn't he? Can God heal this or can he? Can God provide for me or can he? Can God show up and make a way for me or can't he? And when we come to this conclusion on all of these questions and we say, yes, that's what faith is. Saying, I believe God. And so verse 21, watch this. I love this. And it says, every voice here, you got to read this with me. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Now, wait, wait, wait. I'm not asking you yet to believe that for you in your situation because that's a big step for some of us. I'm just asking you, if you're here and you're just investigating faith, maybe you're not here yet. If you're watching online and you're not sure about Christianity or God and you're not here, that's okay. But if you're in this room and, and, and you have some faith, you're a God follower, you're a Christian, let me just ask this question in general. I want you all to just answer this. Does anybody here in this room believe that God is able to do whatever he promises? Come on. So the gap, the gap is for us to take this promise that's out there somewhere and pull it into our situation and say, God is able to do whatever he promises for me. God is able to do whatever he promises in my life. God is able to do whatever he promises in my situation. God, wait a minute. Nothing's changing yet. No, no, no. Our faith, we don't let our faith weaken by what we see. We keep our faith strong, not in natural circumstances, but in a supernatural God. And in the middle of all of it, Abraham's spiritual journey didn't just begin with faith. Throughout his life, he had to keep having faith, keep believing God, keep trusting God, keep putting his eyes off of what he could see and what he could touch and what he could hear and putting his hope in Christ. And the only way that we're ever going to have what God wants us to have, the only way we're ever going to experience what God wants us to experience is by faith. In fact, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. You can believe, you can believe for more than you can achieve. God can do more through your faith than you could ever do in your strength. 
Listen, you, you, can, you can wake up every morning at 4 a.m. and you can work your finger to the bone and you can struggle and strive and wrestle and you can do everything right in life. I'm t- if you do it all perfect, you can never accomplish a much, as much in your strength as you can accomplish by faith in the strength of the one that we serve. God can do more in a moment than you can do in a lifetime. And we unlock that potential in our life by faith. Come on, everybody say by faith. So let me just ask you. Are you struggling today with skepticism? Are you battling belief? Are you wrestling with doubt? Because sometimes we do. But here's what I want to just challenge you with for a few minutes this morning is, again, where his journey started. Here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 4, verse 1. Come on, read this with me. Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of the Jewish nation. This is such a big question. What did he discover about being made right with God. So when you look at Abraham's life, Abraham going through it, here's the question Paul asked. What did Abraham discover about getting into a right standing with God? What did Abraham realize about getting into a relationship with God? About making sure that his relationship, his right standing with God was there. Keep going. If his good deeds, this is so big, if his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. If he was good, he'd say, hey, I got this together. My life's perfect. Look at this selfie. Look at the land of Canaan. Hey, come on in here, baby. Get a picture with me at the beach. He said if it was about how good he was, he could boast about it. If it was about how strong he was, how well put together his life was, he would have a reason to boast. But, come on, read this with me. But that was not God's way. Do you know why we only post positive things? Only positive selfies? I don't, think, I don't think it's just that we want other people to believe the lie that our life is perfect. It's because we believe the lie. It's like we just got to keep telling ourselves, like, is this okay? Like, I got it all together. Like, we're afraid to admit to ourselves, like, I don't know what to do with this. It's like we're afraid and we're ashamed sometimes to admit that, like, my life is messed up. My life is broken. Like, I'm in a bad place. It's like we have a hard time really being honest about our struggle. And in the middle of all this, listen, next verse, watch this. This is so big. For the scriptures tell us, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous. Watch this. Why? Because of his faith. It was his faith that put him in a relationship with God. It's not what you do that puts you in a right standing with God. It's what you believe. But we feel like in this world, like we got to have it all together and we got to have the American dream and we got to have a car and we got to have a career and we got to have an education and our kids got to be well put together and they got to be involved in baseball and basketball and volleyball and softball and cheerleading and everything's got to be perfect. And if everything's not perfect, something's wrong. I want you to know, guys, hear this today, is that we have this thing on the inside of us that's telling us that we can do life on our own. And when you do life outside of the realm of faith, that's what self-righteousness is. Self-righteousness is, I can be good enough without God. And God says, no, 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 wait a minute. Remember our example, Abraham? You can't be good enough on your own. You can't start this journey on your own. You can't continue this journey on your own. He's saying your real hope is to take a picture of like your real life. Like get in front of the mess 
and just be honest. Man, my life is, like this should be, this is the hashtag. My life is jacked up, snap. And God says when you do that, when you let down the facade, when you let down the shield and the guard and you're honest that everything's not as put together as sometimes we put on social media. It's not about what you can boast in. But it's just believing God. I'm made right with Christ. Not by what I do, but by what he's done. In my life every day is not based on who I am, but it's based on who he is. That's what faith is. And so guys, I want you to know something. Listen to me. That's not, that's not what church is. It's faith. It's every day believing that God is here. God is with me. God is for me. God is going to show up today. God is moving in my circumstance. God's going to move in my situation. God's going to make a way. God's going to do a miracle. God's going to blow things up if he needs to. But God is involved in my life. I'm not in this thing alone. If I'm in this thing alone, then let's pack it in and quit talking about it. But if he's in it with me, that's what faith is. I'm not in this thing alone. But faith. And that's what Abraham just kept saying. When he felt old, but faith, but God. When he didn't feel like he could go on, he's like, I got faith because, but God, God is in this. And that's how our spiritual journey starts. That's how we make it. And so again, our righteousness is not determined by what we do. It's determined by what he's already done for us. It's not determined on who we are. It's determined on who he is. And so here's the thing, guys. I get ready to close this. Listen, this is so big because do you know why? There's lots of reasons and there are lots of excuses. This is a funny thing we do in church. We come to church, and some of you have been here a while, and you have an encounter with God's grace, and he changes you. And then we come to church for a little while, and then we start pretending like now all of a sudden our life is perfect. And we start putting on the facade, and here's the thing, here's what we project to our community, is because I'm perfect, you gotta be perfect too. And if you're perfect like I'm perfect, then you can come to the perfect place perfect people gather at. It's called church. And all of a sudden, broken, hurting people can never come to the place where they can find healing, ultimately not just to church but to Christ, because they feel like that's only for perfect people. And the reality is, until we all get real and admit that I'm not perfect, I'm still broken. I'm not as broken as I used to be, but I'm still more broken than I need to be. My life isn't, it's not a shambles, but it's not really where God wants it yet. And what keeps me moving day by day is faith. And the same faith that's moving in my life can move in their life too. That the same faith that changed me can change them too. Until we're honest enough to admit that kind of there's some selfie righteousness in us. That I need Christ as much today as the day I did March 19, 1989. I need him as much today. Until we're honest like that, we're self-righteous. And God says, you know what gets you there? It's not what you do. It's not what you can accomplish, what he can accomplish. Faith, faith is the bridge over the valley of hopelessness. Whatever you're going through today, whatever your challenge is, whatever your struggle, I'm telling you, man, the answer is faith. Not in what you can see, not in what you can do, but in God's promises that he's able to accomplish everything that he's promised in your life. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray today that, God, that you would just, God, deal with the doubt in our life. Help us, God, to overcome the struggle of skepticism. That, Father, we would follow the example set by Abraham 3,500 years ago, that in the middle of everything he could feel and see 
he still believed. I pray that God, you would establish that faith in us. I pray God, help us, God, to get our eyes off of what we can see and God, on to you. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, God, for everything that's in front of every person in this room, you would help us build a bridge of faith to get through it. In Jesus' name. Listen, with every head bowed and every eyes closed just for a minute, if you're here today and, man, you're not really following God because you felt like you had to have it all together, if you're here today and you're not serving Christ because you felt like you had to be perfect, listen, I want you, want you to know, again, the Bible makes it clear that none of us are perfect. None of us have really enough to offer. None of us are good enough on our own. And that's why Jesus came. And what puts you in a right standing with God, what puts you in a relationship with Christ, isn't how good you are, it's how good he is. It's not what you do, it's what he's done. And so the Bible says we've all sinned. Every one of us in this room, man, we've made mistakes. And the Bible makes it clear that also not only we sinned, but Jesus came to be our savior. That if we put our faith in him, that if we believe that he loves us, that he died for us, and that he can forgive us. The Bible says in that faith, grace comes. And so I'm going to pray this morning all across this room. Listen, if you're here today and you've never said yes to God's grace, you've never believed that he loved you, you never believed that he could forgive you, you never believed that he would be involved in your life, and today you're saying, Pastor Steve, I want to believe that. I want to put my faith that God is there, that God is involved. If you want to say yes to God's grace, in a moment I'm going to pray. And if you want to include it in this prayer, listen, all over this room with no shame, if you're tired of, tired of trying to live life alone, and man, you're saying, Pastor, pray for me. I want to invite God into my life. I want to invite God into my situation. I want to invite God to wash me with his grace. Then all over this room, listen, I'm getting ready to pray. If you want to include, I want you to lift a hand real high. Say, Pastor, pray for me. Today, I want to give my life to Christ. Today, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to put my hope and my faith in him. Come on, throw a hand up real high. Thank you, thank you. Come on, throw it up real high so I can see him. All over this room. Thank you. Over here, I see it. Thank you in the back, I see that. Anybody else? We're going to pray with these four or five that lifted their hand all over this room. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I put my trust in who you are and what you've done to save me. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin and be my Savior. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, can we thank God today?